The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, February is Heart Month, and it's time to take a look at how we can take care of our hearts, not only through good nutrition, but also emotionally. So listen close and learn how to keep your ticker in great shape. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Heather Schwartz is a licensed psychotherapist with an MS in clinical psychology and is a certified eating disorder specialist. Heather comes from an education and private practice background where she is specialized in distorted eating, anxiety, and trauma. Heather currently works as a clinician at St. Jude Medical Center in cardiac rehab in Dr. Dean Ornish's lifestyle medicine program, as well as St. Jude's Wellness Center, where she designed and currently teaches a course entitled Psychology of Eating. And we welcome her to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you, Heather? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And why don't you fill our audience a little bit on, our, on your mission and, well, your work before we get to today's show topic. Yes, thank you. So we are supporting the wellness mission for St. Jude Medical, and pieces of that is including your heart, your heart health, um, what other aspects besides diet and exercise really matter to your heart health. So today we're talking about a healthy heart and how it is, uh, so today we're talking about a healthy heart and how it's about more than just diet and exercise. So Heather, how are you and what do you do? Right. So I'm working in cardiac rehabilitation, and part of that is not just diet and exercise. Yes, we know that's a major factor in heart disease, but we're also looking at other factors that are major contributors to heart heart health. So I love the fact that it is what you, your courses are entitled, the psychology of eating, but you're you are calling this, or you're working on uh, heart health. Right. So with the idea in St. Jude Medical, our mission is wellness. So although I teach psychology of eating, we do a stress-less class, six weeks to wellness. It's all leading up to your whole self-wellness. So you need to get a handle on each aspect for that overall wellness. So uh, what is stress, resilience, and emotional competence? Competency. I'm sorry, I'm having a rough time. What what is stress, resilience, and emotional competency, and uh, why do those matter? Great question. So oftentimes when you hear about heart disease, these things are not mentioned. But what we now know is stress resilience. So if stress is the belief that you don't have what it takes, then resilience is living in the posture of adapting well in the face of adversity. So bouncing back. Many people are much more resilient than they give themselves credit for, so I help build resilience in the people that I see. Nice. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the five emotional factors to heart disease? Absolutely. So again, when people hear heart disease, they think um, obesity, they think don't eat red meat, they think I've got to exercise, but there's also other components here. So what we now know is, number one, emotional trauma. So death of a spouse, mental or physical abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, these things are now major factors if they are not resolved. Two is the struggle that people have with negative emotions. So inability to identify or share those emotions, those vulnerable pieces. Um, Number three is going to be chronic anxiety and hopelessness. So not not necessarily a a diagnosis of, of generalized anxiety disorder or depression, but these symptoms that go untreated. Number four is isolation. And we have a 
kind of a saying in the hospital system that isolation breeds disease. So that's what we see when people start isolating on their own, they're not connecting, that, that creates some serious concern. And lastly is acute fear, uh, grief, anger, and what we know about anger, specifically in cardiac rehabilitation, is that a anger ends up being sadness as bodyguard. So it's much more appropriate to be angry, fly off the handle than it is to show your vulnerable side of hurt, sadness, and pain. Wow, this is incredible. And this is uh, I, probably something new that I have heard about heart disease rather than just kind of like a really... Um, uh, the main components, I, I suppose, but you really have uh, done a deep dive yeah. on this, and I love that. Uh, and especially, I would think, in the elderly community where you see mm -hmm. a lot of people that have been isolated, how do you go about um, helping w with especially being resilient? How do you build that? Great question. So there's there's three main factors that I work with in resilience. So we, we want to ensure that they have safe, vulnerable connections with others. And if they don't have them, how to create those? A lot of times we see different cultures, how that's that's not that's not honored, that's not talked about. Um, you know, showing your feelings ends up being weakness. So we have to reframe that for people. We also want to reframe difficult situations, so not seeing them as insurmountable or hopeless. That's a that's a big one in resilience. And lastly, a guiding towards acceptance and appreciation of all life's changes. People come in and they say everything's good if if nothing. Changes changes, but life in and of itself that we have to roll with the punches and kind of helping people along that journey. And it's true. Life is constantly changing and you have to remain flexible. But I think it's nice that you wrap your arms around these people and uh -huh. these patients and say, you know what, we can help you. Um, so uh, that, that's really interesting. I think um, so one other thing you said is uh, isolation breeds disease mm -hmm. and it's about having giving them coping skills I suppose at every um, situation yeah so um, how exactly do these emotional components physically harm us Great question, and, and I, I love this question. People need to be asking this question rather than just taking my word for it. But we'll often hear stress kills. Stress is a killer. Stress will harm you. But what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So we, we now know that the fight-or-flight response, if it's not taken care of, creates adrenaline, cortisol, stress hormones all throughout your body. The problem is we don't tend to run them off anymore. We're not being you know, chased by a tiger. We, they sit in us and they, they stew in us. So then we end up getting our heart rate raised, our blood pressure spikes, our blood is more easily to be clotted. It damages your memory center and increases um, adipose tissue around your midsection, which is just a fancy term for a spare tire. <laughs> and that's exactly where it accumulates. That's called our stress fat. And it's also our dangerous fat. So, so that's what we see. Moreover, Raising inflammation markers over time is our major concern because that leads to hardening of the arteries, and that's what we don't want. So thank you for stretching that out and talking about that, too, because, again, it's so um, general when people say stress kills. Mm -hmm. So that's the, those are the kind of things. And then you also mentioned um, PTSD or mm -hmm. emotional abuse, and people don't really necessarily see that, or isolation. People don't see that. So it's checking in on people and saying, how are you? Yeah. But not just don't accept, 
I'm fine. Well, yeah. And if you think about it, you know, we almost, we have this visceral feeling that someone may not be well, even though they may look fine. Um, you know, if, if their spouse dies, there's this conversation about, I'm, I'm worried about Bob. But nobody talks about exactly why. Why are you concerned about Bob? Mm -hmm. You know, he's able-bodied. He's not morbidly obese. He's functioning. Yet we're still concerned. It's like we have a visceral knowing that something might be off. And you also mentioned something about that flat tire. Are there any other physical signs that we should be looking at, um, especially related to the heart, that we can see physically that we should be looking at? at well, certainly you want to look for changes. So if you could, you could run up the stairs really well a couple months ago and now you're out of breath, you know, things like that, extra fatigue, things that are, that are moving towards um, abnormal for you. We want to look at that. This is great advice. Um, there's something else. What is the Rosetto study? Yes. So um, going back a few years after President Roosevelt died of blood pressure-related complications, President Eisenhower had a massive heart attack. So the government started funding studies to identify why heart disease was around and developed. So some of the most interesting observations came from a town in eastern Pennsylvania that were settled by southern immigrants from Italy, um, my people. And what they found out was that their protection and traditions of their, their old country, their old style of living, um, were present. So often they lived three generations to a house. Grandparents lived with grandkids. They had strong community ties. They had, you know, wide celebrations for life cycles. There was very little crime reported, and it was highly unusual to see these people alone in the town. Mm. So there was a lot of research going on. They, they theorized that, well, they must eat a low-fat diet and eat fish. That wasn't the case at all. They smoked unfiltered cigars. They worked in quarries. They drank wine with abandon. And they had these huge, heavy Italian meals. So they were stumped. And after much research, they came to the conclusion that this town was thriving because they were nourished by each other. It was love. It yeah. was probably the love of family and love of being not isolated. And people checked in on them. And they said, yeah. yeah, as you said, they, they thrived on the having people around yeah. and, and celebrating. <laughs> and Dr. Dean Ornish, he, he actually wrote a book called Love and Survival about heart disease. And he does a great job kind of unpacking what it looks like to be connected and then those protective elements with heart disease. So it's... It's really a remarkable study, and now it's called The Effect, so it's, it's pretty well known. I love that, that he was looking at the Italian meals and the unfiltered <laughs> cigarettes, and they survived all, mm -hmm. all of those elements, and, uh, but it really love surpasses all. Um, but it really does make you think about, you know, um, you know when you've lost a parent, um, but it's, you know, that immediate effect, or if you've attended a funeral, but really checking in on people a few months afterward, mm -hmm. um, if they're still alone, and it's that isolation, um, mm -hmm. or it's that uh, if there's been a, uh, an accident or something, but it's that it makes my heart hurt for them, you know, or for people. Um, if you know, just checking on people, yeah. and especially I, just elderly people, but it's not just the elderly; it's it's anybody that that can happen to. Right. Yeah. Um, so you've really spelled it out. You've really put it in the forefront as just the description of what that looks like. There's so much more um, that we can talk about, Heather. So thank you. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. 
Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Slash smart chicken. Welcome back to the Mother's Market podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with licensed psychotherapist Heather Schwartz. And we're talking about a healthy heart and those Really great information, Heather. Thank you for really expanding on what a healthy heart looks like. And Heather, I wanted to ask you, what is the difference between empathy and sympathy? Great question. So these words, some people use them synonymously. They're absolutely not synonymous. So empathy is feeling with people. Sympathy is feeling bad for people. So Brene Brown has done an incredible job outlining vulnerability, empathy, and sympathy. And she says, um, which I love, rarely does an empathic statement start with at least. Mm -hmm. Meaning you're talking to someone and you're, you're attempting to connect with them in a vulnerable place and you say, you know, I think, I think Sarah, my Sarah is getting kicked out of school. And then someone responds and says, well, at least Brian is an A student. Mm. Well, that, that doesn't help you. It that, doesn't. That's not connecting. That's actually deconnecting. And, and we do it all the time. Um, also, you know, those, those water cooler talks where you're, you're having a conversation with someone and you, you let them in on something that's painful. You know, my, my dog got hit by a car. Oh, my goodness. You know, an empathic um, or non-empathic statement, you know, response is, what kind of car was it, right? <laughs> right. And a, a, that's more of a sympathy or just kind of a crazy statement. But an empathy statement is, oh, you know, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm so glad you told me. That goes so much further than trying to make it better or trying to put a silver lining around it. Um, but sometimes we're uncomfortable with responding well. That's a good point, though. But the, how many times does that happen and you're left going, what? <laughs> I, was, I was looking for a little bit of empathy here. Yeah. So. It uh, makes you not want to risk that again. It's true. Yeah. And then you come away even more hurt than you were in the first place. Right. And then there comes the whole trust factor. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, what role does mindfulness and or yoga play in all of this? Yeah, you know, it would be a miss to not talk about any practice that 
um, engages your parasympathetic nervous system. So mindfulness is getting a lot of um, press at elementary schools, high schools. They're now really incorporating mindfulness into their any type of educational system. And really, it's just focused attention with non-judgmental awareness. So it's being present. And we have a real lack of presence in our communities with screens and phones and mm. the looking ahead. So very rarely do we just allow ourselves to become present, which then, you know, engages our parasympathetic nervous system, which calms us down. And yoga comes from Sanskrit, meaning the union um, or to, to yun, to unify. So it works well when we're talking about connections um, that heal us. So yoga helps join the body, mind, and our day-to-day -day activities all together so that they're not separate. So in essence, you're really kind of walking out your most calm, present self. And with that comes the benefits of when life hits you, you're going to be at a better place to handle that. Okay. And it's true. I mean, our kids now are raised basically born with a cell phone in their hands. Yeah. So they don't know, you know, you know, when to put it down or when to, when to stop. Yep. So it is good. We good don't point. either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now that we have it and we're always connected. Um, so what is taco subo and it's cardiomyopathy, I think, or a broken heart syndrome? Yes. So when I first started working in cardiology, I came across something really interesting and it's called taco subo cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. So you've heard, you know, possibly someone's spouse passed away and then they passed away a few weeks later or a few months later. Oftentimes that can be attributed to taco subo cardiomyopathy. So first of all, it's named after a Japanese octopus trap. Really? Yes. Um, only because when you look at the shape of the trap, it is so, it is absolutely very similar to the look of the left ventricle that balloons during this condition. Um, that's the only reason. So if you look it up online, you'll see two images, one of an octopus pot trap and then one of the left ventricle being ballooned. That's um, interesting. <laughs> another interesting thing is almost exclusively occurs in women. Oh, really? Yes. And they, they're not exactly sure why, but, but that's the case. And then so to, to walk this out, it's actually a weakening of the left ventricle, so the heart's main pumping chamber, that's usually the result of severe emotional distress, like a sudden illness, loss of a loved one, or a serious accident, sometimes even a natural disaster. Hmm. So when I learned about this, I, I did quite a bit of research. I was talking to quite a, quite a few patients and, you know, they were explaining to me what this looks like in the heart. And when they were, all I could think about, they were talking about the weakening of the artery walls. And what came to mind is when you are discussing the loss of a loved one, or if you've seen what happens to someone when you tell them their child has passed mm -hmm. or has been in an accident, their knees buckle mm -hmm. and, and it's like a weakening. And that's all I could think about when they were walking me through um, identifying this cardiac event, and it, it seemed very similar to me. So then I realized, gosh, this is a this is a cardiac event caused by an emotional stimulus mm. most of the time. So when I started talking to patients, I realized. Um, so they would sit with me, and I said, "Oh, so you've had takotsubo? What was your event? What was the impetus?" And they would say, "You know, it wasn't one thing." Mm. So then I started seeing more patients that it was more of a cumulative effect. And that 
that's actually alarming because that means we're not taking care of ourselves to the degree that this could be causation of a cardiac event. Wow. So uh, this has very little to do with diet and exercise. This is, this is emotional. Yeah. This is traumatic. Right. These are events leading up to, I, um, immediately w- before you told me that, um, you know, it is, that's devastating. Uh, but I thought of uh, when you said women have these, or more, the percentage, um, but Debbie Reynolds and her daughter, Carrie Fisher, I think, right. didn't they die a day apart? Right. Uh, or hours yeah. apart or yeah. something like that. But, um, and then they, in the press, it said she died of a broken heart. Um, right. But I, that is, and then I start thinking about, um, the, there was an old, older couple that died, you know, right next to each other. And, um, but I, yeah, that's. Yeah, it's that weakening, mm-hmm. like a, like a, like a true overcome with sadness. Yeah. And I can't even imagine, you know, I'm a a mom of of two kids and I just, I could not even imagine, but I do know what you're talking about buckling, you know, just to get that news. And it would just, it would just be absolutely traumatic. Um, uh, what are four protective agents against heart disease? Right. Again, this is not taking into account the, the diet and exercise plant-based plant-based lifestyle. We, we are promoting that. However, we're looking here at the emotional pieces. So number one, discover or rediscover your inner sources of peace and joy, those rituals that create well-being. So it, you know, if you love your coffee in the morning, um, but you were like, I just don't have time in it. I don't have time anymore. And I'm busy and we're, I have a two hour commute. Um, you know, get back to those things that you loved, those rituals, that stuff. It seems very small, but those things matter. You know, if you used to sing in a choir, but you gave it up because you're too busy, but that was a a time, a season that was life-giving to you, please go back to singing in the choir. It really does matter to your overall wellness. Um, Next is learn and practice communication that enhances intimacy with loved ones. And I know this sounds a little duckies and bunnies, but this is going back to I statements and feeling words. Um, You know, when I run a cardiac group, there's a lot of people that when I ask, how are you feeling, they will go to their thoughts. So when I say, how do you feel about this? They'll say, well, I think it was really interesting. And we do that all the time. We, we, We get a feeling question and we go to our thoughts. But really kind of, you know, digging into the feelings list, what really helped for them was a sheet of paper with faces on it Hmm. and different emotion words. And then they could identify, oh, actually, I'm feeling guilty today, you know, or I'm sorrowful today or I'm I'm joyful today. We're not in the rhythm of connecting with each other emotionally with feeling words. Because either the bear's been hurt or they've been protecting the feelings. Sure. Or they just shut it out. But or it's just not part of your life, yeah. you know, culturally or in your family mm. system. It didn't happen. Hmm. That's interesting yeah. that you really actually have to draw the faces yeah. and find it again. Yes, dust it off. Or, yeah, culturally maybe, too. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the next one is developing more compassion and empathy for yourself and others. And, you know, mindfulness and yoga, that, that goes a long way in developing that. A lot of people are terribly hard on themselves. Their self-talk is super negative. Um, they lack a lot of compassion for themselves. And we know, we know it in wellness circles. We know it in weight loss. Um, that compassion for self really, really matters in your overall wellness. Um, And then lastly, releasing pain, you know, engaging in forgiveness, releasing anger and hurt, those things. I like to explain it where um, that pit of your stomach, you know, the the stuff that lives there, the stuff you don't speak out loud, 
that stuff needs to get out. You know, if it's just journaling it or getting it out on paper, um, I have the unique privilege of, you know, hearing people one-on-one say things they'd never said to anyone. Mm. I want to make sure that, that other people get that stuff out, no matter, you know, what milieu they choose, but that stuff needs to be released. And wow, so that has got to be life-changing. It's, yeah, absolutely. And so what kinds of differences do you see with people when they, um, you know, whether they write a letter and maybe they don't even send it, but maybe they just get it out. And that letter writing, I will often prescribe that to so many people. And at first they're very apprehensive, but then they come in with just a notebook filled of what needs to come out. And they, I ask them how they feel. And oftentimes they'll say, I feel much lighter. Mm. I feel much lighter. And perhaps they, you know, never got a chance to say goodbye to a loved one or they, you know, it it could be anything. Yeah. And people will say, well, what's the point in going to therapy if this person has passed 40 years ago? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a major point, you know, Mm -hmm. we can recreate situations and that really kind of engage that healing. Yeah. Because they're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one thing I can start doing today as an example to help move towards a healthy heart? Yeah, you know, all of this is, is well and good, but unless we can incorporate things very soon, even now, uh, what's the point? So I have three options. One, you know, three to five minutes of mindful breathing. Mm. It's easy. It's, you know, simple. It's a no-brainer. Breathe in, breathe out. Um, be conscious of it. You can pull up anything on YouTube and um, engage that way. Number two, call a safe, vulnerable friend or loved one and just connect. Just allow yourself to be. Mm. And then lastly, engage in something called flow. So in our uh, psychology circles, we will ask each other, what is your flow? And this is a situation where you look down, you see the time, and then you look back, you think it's 10 minutes later and it's been two and a half hours. You know, hours. What is that for you? You know, are you reading? Are you golfing? Are you running? You know, everybody needs to have something in their life that time just flies, that's enjoyable, that's pleasurable, that spikes your serotonin and dopamine levels. And as long as it's not maladaptive, go ahead and do it. Find your flow. Find your flow. <laughs> and, and do it. So, oh, that's great. I love it. Um, I, I think this has been really good uh, for, again, you've really touched on things and just gone that extra mile to let us know that stress is well beyond just, um, I mean, you have you really touch beyond and, and really uh, let us know what it looks like because it's not just... Um, you, you've, you know, just to say, hey, how are you doing? But really go beyond and, and yeah. talk to people and huh. find out and find out what it looks like. Because again, a lot of people are suffering right now. And then they smile beyond that and, and you think, you know, we all oh, are okay. Yeah. There's so much hurt there. There is. Yeah. Um, but also, you've also shown us what it looks like too with um, physically, but mentally. And I love what you're doing in, you know, uh, that you're a counselor. Um, and that you offer, you know, these classes with people, um, but you're doing all of these exercises with the um, writing and the journaling and breathing and, and all of the above. So thank you for your time and thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, we really appreciate your time. And for more information, uh, what is the website that we go to? Yeah, you can go to stjudewellnesscenter.org and all of our information is there. Great. Well, we look forward to your next visit. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.